Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is the Frankly Unbelievable Minute 72. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my shrewd, studious, and extremely pleasant guest co-host, Adam Liebrich-Johnson. Welcome, Adam. Good morning, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful day today. And uh, I'm having a wonderful time going through these minutes with you. And it's great to have you back. It's great to have you back on the uh, on the show. You're such. A, I've been enjoying it. Such a big fan. So it's been uh, it's been wonderful talking to you. It's been a great time. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, anytime. You're a delight. I don't mind saying you are a delight. So what happens in this minute? The solar sailor manages to escape Sark's clutches. Sark gets. In trouble with the MCP, and Tron discovers that, oh my gosh, Adam, you're not going to believe this. The whole time, this whole time, it was Flynn hanging off the side of the ship. What? Flynn was hanging off the side of the ship? It was Flynn this whole time. The hell you say? The hell you say? The hell you say? It's hard to tell because he's red. Because he's red. Oh, and red is the color of bad guys. Red is the color of the bad guy's hair. Yes, that's the... bad guy color and it used to be blue in the original scripts blue was the color of the bad guys and yellow was the color of the good guys but then they uh wisely switched that up i don't think yellow would have been a good look no it's a weird call to have yellow be the big guys and black but i mean with blue the bad well the it side it like i I, when i think of blue being the bad guy i think of like the blue screen of death you know like oh uh, yeah that that you know crash you know the uh the original star wars toys uh the lightsabers were all yellow Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, That's like cool. The, the original Luke Skywalker uh, toy with a lightsaber had a yellow lightsaber. Oh, wow. Well, that would make more. I just pulled a full uh, a full Owen Wilson there. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. But there was uh, someone, was it Ray's lightsaber recently in the last movie that was yellow? Yeah, spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was fairly recent. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry. There yes, you go. at the very end of the movie, yes, the, her, her lightsaber is oh, sorry. yellow. That's right. That's right. And it turns out she has three twin sisters. Wow, that doesn't make any sense, what I just said. Three twin sisters. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so six sisters? No, just forget yes. it. Forget I said anything. All right, back to Tron. Okay, yeah, back to Tron. Okay, so the solar sailor flies off at light speed into the distance, and we get a long shot of Sark's cruiser coming into frame with all of its enormous, endless bulk. It's like I the love, ship come. It's I love like the, the ship, command tower. Oh, the command tower is awesome. It's uh, but this shot's like the ship coming over the top of the screen in the beginning of Star Wars. You know, just like yeah showcasing what a monolith of a ship this is but that control tower is fantastic like a friend of mine uh, tyler on one of the earlier minutes was mentioning that it's like a it's like a i dare you you know kind of kind of control tower because it sticks out the side of the ship yeah and it sort of and reminds me of the the island on an aircraft carrier uh like the, that's what like they the, call the, uh, the, the that's what they call the tower on the aircraft carrier they call oh, it the island okay. and it's it sort of has the same sort of you know stepped design okay with all like the antennas not, yeah. and stuff coming off of it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got all the sort of uh, sensory array equipment on it. But it's, uh, yeah, he was also saying it's kind of like, I'm right here. I'm in the open. You can see me. This is the windshield. I'm right here. Come on, take well, a yeah, shot. Well, yeah, and, and Sark just sort of stands in an open window. At the, at yeah, the he's like, it. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. But, yeah, I like that it's uh, 
asymmetrical and it's got like half curves and quarter curves and floating chunks and uh and it doesn't you know, have any sort of visible means of propulsion no it's just kind of floating along like what was in uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's floating in the air exactly the same way that a brick doesn't Yes, <laughs> you know, one of like, one of the best uh, lines in all of literature. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I remember like, when I read that book as a child, and that that blew my mind. Yeah, right? I, I, you like, know, I, I I'd never seen language used that way before. Yeah, and it just because it nails it. You're like, ah, yeah, that's how that kind of ship would hang in the air. You'd be like, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> you know. But it does. I mean, this ship does look like it's implausible but it looks designed for something it's not just randomly yep. generated despite the fact that all the shapes look kind of haphazard yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's got, got a great uh, low frequency rumble as it goes by oh yeah that you know especially in the in the theater with a decent sound system you're like oh yeah. geez you know all your uh, all the drinks are rippling <laughs> you mm-hmm. know and this and is another have... this is another place where they uh, where the score does a great job of blending traditional instruments with synthesizers too because You've got the snare drum going, and there's trumpets, but there's also the, the the Moog sounds and all that stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I really like the way they uh, they marry those um, those two things here, and that ship just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, boy, oh boy, it's really huge. I want to hear some more inner workings of the ship. But yeah, then we what cut... do the sleeping quarters look like? Where's yeah, the cafeteria? Right. <laughs> Where's the cafe? Or is there a cafeteria? They never quite get into uh, how they consume nutrients in here. They've got yeah, that. Yet there's got... a. Yet there, in Tron Legacy, there's a bar. Yeah, in Tron Legacy, there's a bar. They're sitting down to have like a turkey dinner at one point in uh, in Flynn's hideout there. Yeah. And then they've uh, in this movie, they've got the water in the cave. They've got the pure source of energy water in the cave. Yeah. Where they, they, they sip that. And there's uh, in the very, very beginning when Clue's going through the maze, he actually has a cup of yellow, uh, a beverage, a glowing yellow beverage. Yeah, it looks like, like it looks like a cup of tea or coffee or something like that. Yeah, like pure, pure, uh, pure Gatorade, pure energy or whatever he's got going on there. <laughs> pure Gatorade. <laughs> really, really thick. Maybe opaque. it's Brondo, the thirst mutilator. <laughs> That's right, it's Brondo. That's right. Rawberry. That's uh... So, uh... okay, so it's, uh... yeah, so... It... We cut to Sark with an uncharacteristically wide-eyed and scared look on his face. He looks so, so lost here. So like, oh, geez. He, he looks really sad. Looks, he looks sad. He looks really vulnerable. And uh, it's a good moment because you really sort of, David Warner makes you actually feel for Sark a little bit in this moment. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, no. You know. And uh, so he's in trouble. The background pulses white into gray slats before taking on the uh, political polygonal surface of his cone of silence MCP communication chamber. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if the MCP here is uh, hand animated or if it's CG. It's a bit of both. The face was taken from there was an old CG test that I think Triple I did, it might have been Magi, of a juggler. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was on all the sort of effects reels at the time of, uh, of like, this is what computers can do now. It was it's, it's, it's this juggler, and it was their demo reel of of a juggler, and it would it was juggling uh, like a pyramid and a cube and a sphere, and oh, cool. uh, it would zoom in on one of the shapes, and then you would see some other work they did, and then it would zoom out, and then it would zoom in on another one of the shapes, and you'd see some more work. So this. It was all a, a series of their work presented through the, the the central anchor of this juggler, and so the MCP is that juggler's face. 
they actually took that juggler's face and they just okay. uh, they just blew it up and made the the actual lines of the the vertices um, show up and the edges yeah. they actually made them show up but they hand animated it in the way that they pulled the pulled the vertices around to to make phoneme shapes for the face of the MCP so make okay. a a P sound and a B sound and a, a T sound and an S and an E sound and an A sound and all that and then they had that library and then they would just say okay we need an A here we need a B here that's these 12 frames that's these 6 frames yeah. and then the the animator would uh just like in the olden days like you know lay down okay here's B frame 2 B frame 3 B frame 4 and take pictures of those so it was hand animated in that respect but the images that were generated were uh, were all CG so it was kind of yeah. a, a marriage of the two and the the eyes kind of look like they're hand drawn oh yeah the little circles in the middle no doubt yeah for sure with the little stars in there those are probably yeah. totally totally hand drawn and this is another cool scene of uh David Warner talking to David Warner <laughs> yeah David Warner talking to David Warner with a hev- heavily filtered voice yeah yeah you look great today oh thank you you look great today too <laughs> right. I find it hard to believe the MCP would ever say that. Yeah, that would be uh, a real, that would be a cool, um, if they ever reprogram the MCP. I live to serve. You guys are looking wonderful. (laughs) Oh no, what have you done? (laughs) You've changed this guy. Yeah. This is almost also kind of like Darth Vader in his meditation chamber or whatever. Yeah, with the emperor calling in. Yeah, so he's got to face the music of the MCP now and he knows he's, uh, he's about to get punished. So we hear the it, MCP say, "Oh, sorry, go ahead." I just say I was going to say the the animation on on Sark's suit in this point in this part is really cool too. Mm. Where, yeah, it's where, really really good when he's getting tortured. When he's getting tortured, it's really uh, it's really cool. You're like, oh boy, that looks really painful. <laughs> it looks like whatever's going on there is not good. It would, and it ends up with a strange acting choice by by David Warner, where he says, like when he says, "We did take care of that user you sent us." Mm-hmm. And it, it just sounds like very conversational. Like, yeah. Well, there's a thing for that. Like, well, we'll go through the conversation bit by bit here. It starts off. We yeah. hear that we hear the MCP say, "Commander, you've enjoyed all the power you've been given, haven't you?" Which really is an awful thing to hear your boss say in such a calm way. You know. Yes. Like, and to make matters worse, the whole face of the M, uh, of the MCP, and by extension, the entire interior of this tube, it turns red. You know. So the pressures, the pressures on now. This is like visual language of like you're inside the oven you are not getting out and uh and then he continues like i wonder how you'd take to working in a pocket calculator which (laughs) sort of begs the question like are there small worlds like this one inside everyone's digital watch and calculator is that what the sort of insinuation is here (laughs) you know because that would be wild the, yeah, I, you know, I'm looking at my Fitbit, and maybe there's something inside. <laughs> there's a little, uh, little program inside of there, just very lonely. Yeah, except your Fitbit, you know, is a peripheral, and it connects to things. Yeah. So, but back in the day, like devices with no USB port or Wi-Fi operating, just like operating in complete obscurity with their own closed systems, like billions of them not knowing that there are greater worlds and galaxies and networks out there. Like to me, that would make a really. Uh, well, that would make an incredible Tron sequel back in the day. All these, yeah, because now, uh, now, nowadays, everything's connected, so they would they would be aware of each other. But still, that was kind of a neat, a neat idea. Like go into a little, 
you know, like your Fitbit for a private conversation because it's only got room for ten for ten programs in there or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or I don't I don't know. <laughs> right. So uh, Sark's hands and arms go limp, and he wobbles, woozy, leaning back from the communication station. His entire body starts to crawl with static and interference. He's being tortured and drained of energy. And like you it's said, a, it, this it's is a, a very physical bit of uh, of acting on his. Like it looks like he's yeah. literally just bending at the knees backwards. I don't see a lot of support struts in the, which, in the shot from behind him. You know. Yeah, which I, I don't know how they do it, but it, it it is it is unsettling. It's unsettling. Like he's a very very skinny guy. One of the directors mentioned that David Warner was the thinnest actor that he's ever worked with, or not one of the directors because it was only one director. But yeah, someone yeah someone mentioned that he's just a. A very skinny person, and I, he doesn't seem that skinny in the movie to me. But I think that's just because he's wearing all the padded suits and stuff. So maybe yeah. he's he's light enough that he can lean back like that. But even so, it's like if that's just him leaning back, and if this is like he's like leaning take, back at a forty five degree angle, though, it's really, like, really leaning back. And so if this is take ten or something like that, his legs must have been screaming. Yeah, but. And then you said, yeah, he does say we did take care of that user you sent us and sort of. But he's not like grunting or, or acting like he's in pain or anything. He's just it's very conversational. He doesn't start acting like he's in pain until a couple lines later. Yeah. And I think the reason is that he's being drained of power. Okay, He's having his power removed. He's not being sort of shocked or uh, or or or. Uh tortured in that regard he's he's being like slowly shut down so he's like barely okay, yeah aware and i guess i guess awake. it doesn't convey it that well like because the sound no. design just sounds like generic electrical zapping yeah it sounds like he's sizzling right it sounds yeah. like it's like oh my gosh but he's like well we, we did take care of that user you sent us you know <laughs> I was like are you, are you okay but it's also sort of comes across like wow this guy is experiencing more pain than hardly any program ever does and he can still maintain a conversational it, it, you know it, it puts me in mind of the uh, the robot from the simpsons why 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 was i programmed to feel pain <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> like, is that the same shot where they like cry and short circuit themselves yes <laughs> yeah that was the one <laughs> i was like what oh it was such a good moment uh, yeah, like I said, the the animation on the suit is really great. Just the, it's the, really cool. Like the, the crawling ants across the all the all the lines. Yeah, just all that popping and fizzing all over him, and his arms sort of flop back and dangle away from him. And uh, yeah, again, yeah, I don't know if this is just leg strength or whatever, but it's a really sweet, fully exposed, vulnerable, bad stuff has happened to me uh, pose. But it's also kind of awkward and unusual. Yep, you know. So he's not getting hit with actual uh, strikes of lightning or anything, but that uh, that pose that he's in is like, wow, this is not good. Whatever's happening to you is not. You're not having a good time. The MCP yeah. responds with, uh, "You incompetent zero! Now you've got two renegade programs flying all over the system in a stolen simulation." I guess and that's like an it, insult in binary. In binary, it's like, "Oh, you're a zero. There was a uh, a song by Laurie Anderson. I think it was called Superman. It might have been called Superman, but she was. It was back back in the eighties, and so she was talking about how nobody wants to be a zero. Everybody wants to be a, a one, you know. And it was she did this whole sort of spoken word piece on uh, on the language of binary and how that can really, if you want to, apply it to the human race in terms of the you know the the insinuations of zero and the insinuations of number one and. 
and all that. But yeah, I guess calling someone a zero in the in the grid is a is a zinger, is a real burn. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in the beginning with Crom in the prison when he's like. Yeah, the MCP can't go around just appropriating programs. I mean, who does he calculate he is? You know, like all that <laughs> sort of trying to try to throw in this like computer slang, which they uh, they try to do here and there. And this is definitely one of those moments. And that that well, that guy was uh, was an accountancy program, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, he was. Uh, so he's yeah. uh, he's a uh, good old Peter Jurassic. Peter Jurassic, yeah. This, uh, his his user is a full branch manager. You're going to be in big trouble, see. <laughs> It was awesome. So awesome. Man, he was good. R.I.P. Crom. Pre-Babylon 5. uh, Pre-Babylon 5 joining of Bruce Boxleitner and uh, Peter Jurassic. That's right. That's right. This is uh, before all that kicked off, which is awesome. I wonder when they saw each other, they were like, hey, good to see you. Greetings program. I wonder if they actually said that to each other. Probably not. Probably not. I'm I'm just dreaming up. That would be really cool if they did, though. And then we get, yeah, we get a shot from behind of Sark and we see sort of blackness circling around his identity disc and, uh, and body. And then the sound of static and electricity keeps growing as he keeps being drained. Somehow he maintains his composure and he says, we'll get them. It's only a matter of time. Remarkably, even though, and he's like, he's, it's there in his delivery, even though he's obviously experiencing agony, (laughs) like he's very disciplined, um, and that's sort of how it came across to me was just that he's so disciplined yeah. that even though he's being electrocuted, he's like, yep, well, we're on it. Everything's cool. I This is probably, now this is something that you that we want to talk about. This is probably not the first time that he's been treated like this, but I imagine. Oh, no, that definitely this is, not. But I imagine that this is the worst it's ever been. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. There's probably uh, the, the 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 MCP is sounds a bit desperate here. Yeah, yeah. They, the MCP is really freaking out right now. And so. uh, and uh, Stark also sounds kind of desperate as he's begging for for more time. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, I think. But at, at the same time, yeah. like at the same time, visually and and auditorily, it it doesn't seem that. Like I I feel like like sound wise, it should be louder or something or or. Or you know maybe maybe acting yeah. wise it should be a little a little bigger. It could have been more violent, or it could have well not violent, but like yeah, it could have been more intense. It could have had uh, there there could have been another layer of like oh geez he's oh my gosh but, he's killing. But I also him, wonder you know? if that's just me looking at it with a modern eye. It could be, it could be like because there was he gets disciplined earlier on in the film where he gets his um his power cycle slowed down and he's like don't. I need that, you know, and he seems yeah. more, he seems almost seems more distressed in that earlier scene than he does here. Um, oh yeah, he definitely does. So that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I wonder if they shot both the scenes on the same day and his legs at this point, he was like, I can't, <laughs> I just can't please. Maybe they were like, can we do one more? Where I mean, it's, like, a, it's, it's all, it, it's all in the same set. So yeah, they probably shot these all in, in the same, uh, the same general time period. Yeah, same general time. Maybe not the same afternoon, but definitely in the same week or whatever. There's a, a close-up here of the MCP's cold, scary face as he says, you've almost reached your decision gate and I can't spare you any more time. End of line. Yeah, Which, but the, the, way he, the way he says, I can't spare you any more time, again, is very conversational. It's not... Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the MCP. Is this like... Yeah. The votes are in and you will be executed right now. 
end of line. End of line. Sorry, what? What? (laughs) What? You know, he's not into uh, uh, shouting and screaming. He's very yeah, and he's modulated. uh, the 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 face like filling the screen looks very strange because it doesn't look like a cylinder at that point. Yeah, it's gone flat. It looks very flat. It's also just super ominous, though. The choice to have it take yeah. up the entire screen is like, this is what Sark is seeing. This And is... it, it, it's interesting that he's the only program that's not some sort of ambulatory humanoid shape. Yeah, it's a real interesting call. Like, what is the MCP, right? Because he could be, uh, you know, like a 20-foot-tall monster that's... It, it kind of goes back to a lot of big bad guys like the Emperor or, uh, oh man, I don't know, maybe not Baron Harkonnen, but like the string pullers, the giant, malevolent, scary string pullers are often in some way rooted yeah. to, like they're rooted to one position. Uh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, they do that here with the MCP too. I guess because you have to have a place to go to like, to have a showdown. But I do yeah, wonder it's, why. It's, there's another. It's another great piece of programming lingo here too. Oh yeah. Oh, decision gate. Yeah, decision gate. That, that yeah, decision gate is a, is is programming lingo because that's an you know an if then or an and or or something like that. Oh, that's that's a programming lingo. Okay, cool. Because I looked that up, and it's also a project management term. You know, like they used it in the 1940s with like uh like NASA and a lot of yeah. companies. Like there's must meet stages, waterfall charts, like you know, and should meet stages that are all on uh, like one to 10, yeah. like non-negotiables, polish, polish and basics and gravy and uh decision gate is like, well, okay, at this point it's gotta be one or the other. There's no wiggle room. There's path commitment after this for better or for worse, whether we like it or not, like the, like a window yeah. for an epidural or whatever, but okay. So, but it is an actual uh, program lingo too. You're saying. I, I believe it is. I believe it's like a, you know, an if then gate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I like the I like. It's such a cool term to show up in the movie because he doesn't just say, "Yeah, well, we're out of time." He's like, "You've reached your decision gate." I'm like, "Well, I don't know exactly what it's that now is, or never." But that sounds pretty final. Like a decision gate. Uh, okay. Like you get that. Um, there's a lot of like yeah techno babble in this movie that is sort of applied, you know, willy nilly. Sometimes for the, for it really works, and sometimes you're like, that's not how this works. But when this in this particular point, decision gate really has that that ring of doom, that ring of like, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, it almost sounds like he was yep. about. It sounds like he was about to derez Sark right there. You know, it sounds like he's like you've mm-hmm. reached the end of time, end of line. Like that was going to be it for Sark, which you know they couldn't. And he's basically saying you have done. one chance. Don't F it up. Yeah, definitely. Which uh, really makes it. And I wonder, like, yeah, the MCP disengages and Sark, like, flails upwards to grab onto the podium again. His composure is totally Also lost. some great physical acting there. Yeah, just like, you know, is he gone? Oh, jeez. You know, like, I gotta, huh, you know, just like, yeah, you know, lobs his arms back up onto the controls like they're they're near death and i just i really had a moment here where i'm like man i hope this is a soundproof cylinder that he's in 
I, I <laughs> really some, some, some other guard is standing outside the door going, boy, Sark is just getting reamed. Today. He's getting worked over like because he's right. At, he's right beside the entire bridge crew. Right. Like there he's he's not off in some yeah. communication closet. He's like right there. And so I really hope the whole crew can't hear these humiliating beatdowns because that would be like. You know, well, I just talked to the MCP and he said, uh, great news, everybody. Uh, things are, things are going great. <laughs> it's like, well, no, that's, uh, we heard, ev- <laughs> we heard everything, Sark. That's, uh, are you okay? Yeah. Would you like some tea? You know, yeah. like just talk to the MCP. We're all getting ice cream. <laughs> Raises for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, for sure. So then we, uh, we cut to a shot of the solar sailor trucking along the beam serenely between uh bright green simply rendered polygon mountain range and this is some like really 80s computer landscape here oh locations. yeah it's very uh you know, yeah i'm sure i had some cd-rom games back in the day that had landscapes like this yeah for sure little the limitations are real evident um there's a curved mountainous landscape which is very hard to create but they do kind of go from uh, quite simple mountains through, as the camera pans, to like a much more tessellated and complex mountains. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder if there was a narrative reason for that. Like they're going from small hills to huge peaks or they're going deeper into the wilderness or they're going from like, you know, yeah, small mountains to huge mountain ranges. Like they're going deeper into the game sea. And I'm still, I'm like, this is a mountain range. This isn't an ocean. So what's the game sea about? But yeah, but then in the in the wide shots and then like when they're looking out of over the horizon, it still looks like an ocean. It looks oceany, yeah, for sure. So they you know, do like, mention there, there's a, there's some more more vis, vis, visual discontinuity here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that's just like yeah, like terminology. Like do they mention they they do mention in the creator's commentary that the mountains were all done by Triple I along with the Solar Sailor and Sark's cruiser, but these were their very first ever attempts at mountains and landscapes. So these, I think. Uh, are the very first CG mountains ever seen in a in a feature film? So you know I can be pretty me. pretty forgiving of any ropiness that 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 we're seeing here with our twenty twenty yeah. with our twenty twenty vision. Let me be the yes. very first yeah. person in the world to make that joke. That's going to be this whole year is going to no. be like that. I wonder if there was uh, the novelty <laughs> the novelty glasses on New Year's Eve with the you know the sunglasses that were like twenty twenty. Yeah. I probably were. I I didn't have any. I didn't have any. I I thought they would be more prevalent than I remember them being, but I'm sure if I do a Google search for it, they'll be everywhere. So Tron is strolling back down the catwalk slowly, looking pretty smug and powerful after having defeated all the bad guys, giving a good slow swagger back to Yori when he notices something hanging off the side of the ship. It's that red program from earlier who's been hanging there for about 20 minutes now. He kneels down and reaches back to deliver the killing blow. Tron is just merciless. He's just like, well, time to kill this guy. <laughs> you know, just crouches he down. He his fists and he's ready to... Cocks, cocks the arm back like... Jeez, dude. 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 Oh, my gosh. Like, it's like... Well, he's a security oh, right. program. That's what he does. You're a murderer. <laughs> you know, he's... Yeah, he's a he's a security program. But, jeez, he, uh, he's good at it, I guess you could say. So Flynn shouts, hey, it's me, Flynn. And Tron says, Flynn. And Flynn is all like, yeah, greetings, program. And Tron says, Flynn, you're alive. And uh, Flynn 
glances down at the mountains passing by below him and says, yeah, barely. And it's kind of like, Tron, help him up. Like, oh my God. Like he's literally. Yeah, they're they're having a whole conversation here as he's, uh, as he's as just he's hanging on for dear life. For his life. You, you, you just half expect Tron to be like, so how you doing? Wow. How did you get here? Yeah. Man, that were you with the other guys? Like just, you wouldn't believe uh, the adventures I've had. Like, it's like Tron, come on. But maybe Tron's such a warrior well, that Flynn isn't really being any better. He, he's he's quipping while he's hanging. Yeah, there. that's right. Yeah, greetings, program. How's your day been? You know, like yeah, I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. But Tron, I think maybe he's such a warrior that he knows he could hang out there for days, so it doesn't occur to him to help Flynn because he's like, well, I could I could do five hundred put you know chin ups or whatever hanging out there. So because i remember it like the and, original so they have this they have this insert shot of the of the mountains as they're going over as they look yeah. down yeah but then when you look back at flynn you don't see any mountains you just see flat oh sea yeah onto the horizon. there you go right yeah I, I would have liked to have seen some of the mountains behind flynn as well yeah the insert shot like it kind of yeah you're right there's uh there's the mountains and then it's back that really looks oceany behind flynn there that looks very much like a sea yeah so but yeah, and and they're, they're 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 very clearly flying through the mountain range, so it, it it doesn't make sense why there wouldn't be mountains behind him. Yeah, or at least maybe some islands, you know, some peaks poking up through the through the ocean. But it's like the uh, well, the original screenplay called for Tron to be like a hulking older warrior with lots of scars, just this giant Schwarzenegger, you know, seventy five year old massive warrior, this unstoppable tank. And then uh, Flynn was supposed to be like a sort of a played scrawny, by Bruce Boxleitner. Bruce by played by Bruce Boxleitner, and uh, Flynn was supposed to be like a scrawny, <laughs> a scrawny young '80s nerd. So they would uh, they would you know play off each other and have a totally different silhouette kind of thing. But then, yeah, I think yeah. Bruce Boxleitner and and uh, and Jeff Bridges are exactly the same height, you know. So like they kind of that didn't and they they both got very similar builds. They both they both kind of rolled off uh, average size guy assembly line. And but like, it mm. makes sense that Tron, a big strong Tron, would be looking down at uh, uh, a skinny Flynn, not even remotely understanding that like I'm about to fall to my death. Please help, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So Flynn yeah, says, uh, "Yeah, uh, the, the the big Tron could just hang on with one finger for however yeah, long he wanted." So he's not he's not uh, he's not getting it. He's just happy to see the guy, you know. <laughs> And this is another sort of instance where he kind of comes across like a like a puppy, you know. He's like, "Oh, cool, good to see ya." It's like, "Yep, help," <laughs> you know. So Flynn says, yeah, "Tron uh, is he, a bit of a puppy, isn't he?" He is. He is. He's a very. He seems like a really sort of uh, yeah, a nice a nice guy who's got that real focused <laughs> focused mission. Thing. Very it's, eager to please. Very eager to please. And then uh, Flynn says, yeah, I, uh, whoa, and loses his grip, and uh, he falls to his death. And that's the end of the movie. And, it's, uh, and it's credits. Really, and credits. It's really, it's shocking. It was a really shocking decision. Uh, and then the next, uh, yeah, the next 18 minutes are just uh, shots of landscapes. I thought it was, you know, very peaceful. Yep, well, it was great uh, Great joining us. Uh, Wonderful. Guess, uh, that takes us to the end of the film. Wow. So, uh, yeah. yeah. How can people find you if they want to? <laughs> so, okay, just kidding. So Tron, uh, Tron lashes out and grabs Flynn's hand, uh, saving him from death. Phew, that was close. And uh, Flynn dangles from Tron's grip, eyes wide and pretty scared, and he gets pulled up out of frame. And uh, this also sort of showcases, showcases Tron's strength, 
that he's just kind of like, oh, I got you. Here, let me just uh, let me just pull you up. You know, like uh, uh, Roy Batty pulling up uh, Deckard in the end of and uh, the end of Blade Runner. You know, just like one handing mm-hmm. him by the wrist up over the ledge. You know, like oh, you're really yep. strong. You are a warrior of the of the grid, aren't you? <laughs> and uh, Tron is a warrior for the users. Yeah, he's a warrior for the users. He's on our side. That's one thing that's really cool about this uh, that you get into in the screenplay and the novel is that like they've been trying to kill Tron legally in the games for a really long time. And uh, he's just too good. Turns out Alan wrote a good uh, security program. Yeah, they put a you know four on one, six on one, doesn't matter. He, he just takes them all down. So yeah, that's a really good security program. I guess the, the, the modern equivalent would be like a Norton antivirus or something like that. I guess so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something that's like really good and been, and been really good for a long time, you know, or like, uh, well, like zip zip, the, the, the program where you zip stuff up. Yeah. Seven zip or win zip. Yeah. Win zip. That's what I was thinking of. You know, it's just been like used forever. Cause it's like, Hey, it works. All right, so this uh, this podcast has been brought to you by WinZip. Um, <laughs> Somebody actually paid for it. <laughs> Somebody actually paid for it. That's right. Um, so that takes us about to the end of minute seventy-two, I guess. Uh, the differences between the novel and the screenplay is that in the novel, there's a really cool little bit where, as Sark's getting worked over by the MCP, he takes solace in the responsibility placed on him by the MCP. Like he's getting the message that while he's in trouble and the MCP is like beating him senseless, he understands that the MCP is doing this because if Sark can't catch Tron, no one can, right? Like the MCP is depending wholly on him and that shores him up a little. Because Sark is uh, fairly unique as far as... uh... Yeah, yeah, like uh, the MCPs really put all his eggs in one basket with Sark. There's not like 28 Sarks running around. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're it. So, you know, but I mean, it's like this guy, you know, this guy. <laughs> it's like he's getting beat by his boss and he's like, oh, this is a good thing though. You know, this means that <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that's got all the responsibility. Like, man, he is just right in there with the MCP. I can't imagine him ever defecting or deserting or anything well he'd have all his power taken away so yeah there there wouldn't be a there wouldn't be a, a there wouldn't be a heel face turn with sark no 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 yeah that's right yeah like a heel face turn like at the end of the movie he's like actually you're right the mcp is a jerk i'm with you tron like that would just never in a million years <laughs> i can't even i can't even picture that happening yeah, and then uh, Tron returning along the catwalk is pretty much the same, except that Yori uh, shouts, "Tron, are you all right?" to him after he's uh, after he's walking back. Uh, in the screenplay, there's a bit where the MCP, when he says, "Maybe you'd like to work at a calculator," he also says, uh, "Or maybe one of those watches that plays Happy Birthday for his user once a year," which is like, <laughs> which is like pretty sweet you're like oh man that does sound like oh god that's, that's a, a sweet burn right there. that's a sweet burn you know that's a that would have been nice to keep in the film it's a little too human but it's a it's a nice burn which but he also says and now we've got two renegade programs running all the hell over the system in a stolen a stolen simulation so i'm glad they sort of 
cut that out and just made it a bit more, you know, running around. That's that's a that's some clunky wording. Yeah, yeah, some clunky wording, and it's weird to say him say hell. You know, in the beginning, uh, yeah, like he's he's dry. He's had some he's had some some dry wit and some dry burns, but he wouldn't actually say to hell, which I think. Can't have him, all uh, the hell over the system is just all the hell. Yeah, all the hell over the system doesn't. Yeah, that's a weird. That's a bit of an adventure in terms of a sentence. You know, you're like what, what? But it, yeah, it would it would have diluted his, uh, you know, diluted his icy calm. He doesn't use the term decision gate here. He just says that they're out of time in the screenplay. Yeah. So, uh, so that's cool. And in the screenplay, Yori also asks if asks if Tron is all right. Oh, and this is another really important point is um, in the screenplay, Bit is still around. Oh, really? Yeah, Tron sees the fingers and goes to raise his disc to destroy the intruder, but it's Bit who flies up and flutters around Tron's head. Um, And says no. Well, he says no, but at that point in the script, he was saying no in a bunch of different ways. So he's Mm -hmm. like, no way, not on your life. No siree, nothing doing, forget it. Uh, as he's uh, he's flying around and that was that was one of the sort of comedy things about bit is like bit was originally uh sort of conceptualized as a as a character with a big funny face like a big funny animated face that would be like uh, a side sidekick you know and then that went to like fully cg and then it went from like him saying you know yet not a nothing zilch you know to uh to just yes and no and uh I'm glad they made those changes. I am kind of sad that Bit just sort of disappeared at one point. Yeah, he goes... It's like Flynn, he, Flynn crashes the recognizer, and then he's just he's gone. The world of Bit is... Uh, is a, The journey of Bit, to me, is an interesting one, because I, I thought that when Bit showed up in the recognizer that uh, Flynn hijacks out of the dump, that it was that recognizer's Bit. That all of the vehicles came with a bit like all the tanks had a bit and all the recognizers had a bit and that was just something that you had that was just one of the it's like having a stereo in your car you had that was you had the bit you could ask it questions and um but that bit in the recognizer that flynn steals is the bit from the beginning of the film that escapes uh, mm-hmm. when when clue gets caught it, it runs it flies and it's been hiding out in this junk pile for a long time and then when it sees flynn it's like oh good clues back yay and then uh but flynn doesn't recognize bit and the bit's like oh it doesn't recognize me but then uh they get along anyway and then uh and then they crash the recognizer and the bit gets trapped in the cockpit and that's it for bit for the rest of the film so it's kind of sad you're kind of like oh bit's like this uh dog this excited puppy that just like thought it had found its owner again is now locked somewhere in a crashed vehicle uh wondering where uh where clue went he was like oh that's too yeah. bad but at the same time i could see that if he would have been present throughout the rest of the film that uh changes everything and it could have gotten a little annoying i think a little goes a long way with bit but um he was effective. I know that I laughed a lot when he was like, yes, 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 yes. Or like, no, 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 no. I was like, oh, this is so funny. <laughs> I love that guy. So, but I remember we were thinking, we were mulling over the idea that Bit could be a villain in a future installment. <laughs> he's like, you abandoned me, <laughs> you know. And now he's this giant, you know, this huge arena-sized uh, sphere. And he's like, you abandoned me. You can have a henchman <laughs> that does the talking for him. And he uh, yeah, says, that's right. 
Hey, uh, you have a bit hen- here. The henchman bit? that does the talking, and he just goes, yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. I remember in, uh, in the movie Stir Crazy with, uh, I think it was Stir Crazy with Gene Wilder, and he gets stuck in prison. There's a bit where like a, a couple of couple of giant seasoned prisoners are like they come up to give gene wilder trouble and you know the first guy's talking a lot you know like my friend here doesn't like you he thinks you're in real you're in a lot of trouble you're gonna see a lot of pain in here and the other guy just goes yeah (laughs) you know he just always always backs up the uh the the first guy's statements with like yeah and that would be that would be what happens with bit you know i was like you had big trouble now buddy yes that would be uh it's, that'd be something to see. Anyway, we'll see. If anybody, anybody's uh, writing Tron 3 right now, there's an idea for you. But that, uh, yeah, I guess that takes us up to the to the minute of the end of the end of minute 72. Just too bad. It's a good minute. We got some really sweet Wendy Carlos in here. Yep. We got some uh, sweet uh, sweet car chase and uh, uh, a not a not so great fight back in minute uh, minute 70, but still. Yeah. A great David Warner acting against oh, David Warner. Wonderful David Warner here. A little moment of vulnerability from David Warner, and uh, yeah, yeah, you really, you really get the impression here that Sark is in over his head, and he's really doing his best. But like and a little bit of our title character just acting like he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, cool, we're on a ship. How does this work? Yeah, well, like go. it starts with him almost walking off the elevator platform. <laughs> Like elevators, who can figure out these complicated devices? You know, it's like just it, try not to get your arms cut off. But there. but then when he then when he's got to do the fighting, that's when he's competent. Yeah, he's just like, yep, I'm on it. I can do this. Twenty to one, no problem. All right. Well, it's been great, uh, great talking to you again. It's been great having you back. It's I have had a blast. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful having you here back for minute seventy to seventy two here after having you way back for minute twenty back in the beginning. Um, do you want to go over one more time for our listeners to tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Sure, you can follow me on the Twitters, and I forgot I have an Instagram too, but hey, I all right. hardly ever use it. It's usually just pictures of uh, Disneyland because I'm there often. Awesome. And uh, that's they're both Big Bass Bone, B-I-G-B-A-S-S-B-O-N-E. Um, and then you can follow my band, the Poxy Boggards, uh, at uh, com, and their social media is linked to there. And, uh, you know, that's that's about all there is to me. Awesome. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at Tronologically Speaking. Drop us a line on Twitter at Tronologically Speaking. Send us an email at Tronologically Speaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Um, and also, while you're at it, go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. There's over 150 and counting, I think, at this point. By the time this goes up, there'll probably be 200. And if you don't see uh, your favorite movie there, there's all kinds up there. There's recent movies, there's old movies, there's dramas, there's action. There's all kinds of stuff up there. But if your favorite isn't there, then consider doing one yourself. Or even if uh, one is up there that's already been done and you think you have other stuff to say about it and you want to take a different angle, then do that too. You know, Just get in touch with the, uh, with the organizers on the Facebook Minute Makers and Listeners page and um, you know, announce your intentions and see what's up because they're a very inclusive and encouraging community. They have regular meetups all over all over the annual meetups all over the states they're a really good crew all right well it's bittersweet saying goodbye to you here adam it's been wonderful so, having hey you duncan back. yep 
Uh, you have reached your decision gate. I'm afraid I can't spare you any more time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Do you want to do a little uh, end of line on three? Yeah, let's do it. All right. One, two, three. End of end line. End of line.